I was, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that this, this week, you know, we spend, of course, plenty of time in prayer, uh, but to get those unfamiliar requests, uh, I got a request from one of my preacher friends uh, who says, hey, uh, brother Cloud, will you pray for me? I have to ride my bicycle through a, to a, a congregation that's a distance away, and they've been having problems with elephants, uh, being very aggressive in that area. And so if you will uh, keep me in prayer, and so I've uh, been praying for that brother and thinking about it. He made it home safely to the congregation and back. We praise God for that. But I kind of, uh, when when thinking about that, uh, it makes it kind of difficult to say, oh, and by the way, could you pray for us because we're wearing masks? <laughs> right? <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, yeah, there are much bigger problems in the world than we face. Right? It's good to see you here uh, tonight, those present as well as those uh, online. Let's go to God together, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, great and wonderful God, we praise and honor and glorify your holy and divine name as it is sanctified, set apart from the lower names that exist on the earth. And as we think of you, we recognize your greatness. We recognize the amazing might and power that you have. And yet, Lord God, what's amazing is you are so humble. And you have no reason to be humble other than the fact that that's who you are. Help us to be like you. Be more like you every day. To be dressed in humility. To bring glory and honor to your name. Help us, Lord God, to strive to be better at making life about you and not about ourselves. Help us, Lord God, to be meek and submissive. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do and for all that you will do. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. It be that will. Amen. Romans chapter 6 tonight. Dying to sin or in sin. Very, very interesting uh, and different ideas. Um, we all have uh, the right God's given us to live. And so we live. But spiritually speaking, we have a choice of our death. Meaning, we can die once or we can die twice. And the choice is ours. The question tonight that I ask that we think about in our hearts and in our minds is, have I died to sin or will I die in sin? Two very different uh, questions. And amazingly, (laughs) our destiny truly is in our hands because of the grace of our God. What choice? What choice will I make? You know, every person that has died physically has had to make the choice and the decision, rather, to die once or to die twice. Every human being. In fact, uh, even the Bible tells us in Romans 6 and verse 23, the free gift of God is eternal life, right? We get that. Romans 6 and verse 23. God has given this free, amazing gift to us. The free gift of life. You get to choose. I get to choose. For the the wages of sin is death. But God gave us this free gift. The free gift is eternal life. 
in Jesus Christ our Lord. The question is, how do I feel about that free gift? And then John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I love the way it's written that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's In other words, we have this this choice, this option that is before us. First John uh, gives us really the the walk of faith. First John chapter one, beginning at uh, verse seven. Here's our Christian walk. You know, the Christian walk is this. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son, of, of Jesus His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But it begins with this. If we walk in the light. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we have made Him a liar and His word is not in us. Romans chapter 5. There were three men on the cross. Dying the same day. One was dying for sin. One was dying in sin. And the last one died to sin. Jesus died for our sins. In Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, For while we were still helpless, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man some would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for sin. Luke, please, chapter 22 and the verses 39. But Jesus, like, like the rest, he had to make a decision. He had to make a choice. Jesus, what are you going to do? Are you willing to die for sin? For the sins of the world. In verse 39, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus came to that fork, that crossroad in life where he had to make that great decision. Verse 39, and he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Now an angel from from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down from uh, upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Matthew 26, please. Here's the question. Jesus Christ, what are you going to do? Because this is a choice. You know, we say this often. uh, I hear it. uh, Jesus had to die. No, he did not. Jesus chose to die. Right? He gave his life 
willingly. He chose to die. He had to make the decision. In Luke chapter 22, he made the decision to die. Though he said, Father, be thy will, remove this cup. But when he realized it wasn't the Father's will, which he, he knew because that's why he came to die for the world, he took it upon himself to die for the sins of humanity. And brethren, if we will take that to heart and realize that my name was on Jesus Christ's heart, my name was in front of Jesus Christ, that he died for me personally, individually, as well as for the whole entire world, maybe my life will be different because I'll show an amazing amount of respect and love for God. And Jesus, remember, in Matthew 26, in verse 49, Jesus said, and immediately he went to Jesus and said, Hell, Rabbi, and Jesus kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. And then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once at my disposal and more than 12 legions of angels? He made that choice not to call his Father. Philippians, please, chapter 2. He made that choice not to call his Father, but to die in a terrible way for the sins of the world. In Philippians 2, the way he lived his life was also the choice. He chose to serve and live in such a way that pleases and honors the Godhead. Beginning of verse 5, the Bible says, Have this attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so there's this amazing joy in the heart, right? Jesus Christ, to bow down to Jesus is nothing. Thank you, God, for the opportunity. But then there are many who say, I refuse to ever bow down, to ever surrender to Jesus Christ. So as these two men hung suspended with Jesus Christ, Matthew, please, chapter 27. Remember, they're still under the law of Moses. And so under the law of Moses, baptism is not required uh, for the sake of salvation. So we're not talking about baptism. But here we are, before the law of Moses, under the law of Moses, these two men hang suspended with Jesus Christ. And you know what's amazing? When you read the account, we can never forget, they live their lives so far away from God. That on the cross, I don't even know how, I, I, you know, I, you, you look at history and you, you wonder, I mean, they have, you have nails in your hands and in your feet, and there were other grotesque things that were done by the Romans on the cross. But, but here we're just the nails in your hands and in your feet, and you're literally suffocating, right? And how in the world they had enough evil 
or energy or whatever, or evil energy in their hearts or in their minds, in their bodies, to ridicule Jesus Christ on the cross. How they where they gain that kind of strength? Some folks won't change even to their dying day. Right? It's amazing. Matthew 27 and verse 38. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we shall believe in him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers also who had been crucified with him were casting the same insult at him. How in the world were they even able to do that? And wouldn't you on your dying day, your deathbed, find some measure of compassion? Or at least the realization that you are about to meet your maker? Brethren, some... Folks will never change. Those will die in sin. Luke, please, chapter 22. Luke 22. The first man died in, he died in sin. Luke 23, rather, excuse me. He died in sin. I mean, he, he wouldn't change. And it's interesting that they said, save yourself and us. You know, don't, don't save yourself without saving us, but save yourself and us. That selfishness still remain. But in verse 39, it says, And one of the criminals who were hanged there were hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Turn back to Matthew 24. He never considered Jesus' innocence, though he was a thief. And he knew it, Matthew 24. He never gained a sense of humility even to the dying day. And sadly, that's what we're looking at in life, that some people's hearts are so cold, they refuse to soften it. They refuse to allow Jesus to penetrate. The message of Jesus never penetrates their heart. And they're evil and hateful all the days of their life, even to their deathbed. Some folks, brethren, will never change. Matthew 24 and verse 12. The Bible says, and because lawlessness is increased. That's our answer. Why won't they change? Because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. Turn back to Luke chapter 23. Like Barabbas, the murderer who ran away. I mean, think about this now. Jesus Christ uh, is, is executed in his place, in his stead, and he runs off excited. And it seems like he never felt the guilt. He was just selfishly happy to be free. Right? And you wonder, what will it take? And I think the obvious answer is for some people, they're never going to change. And that's so sad. But what I rejoice in is, is thank you God that, that some, for some reason and somehow you softened my heart so that I would walk away from worldliness and, and come to be a part of your kingdom. Some people will never ever change. 
Some people will die in their sins. It's not up to us to judge, though, is it? We go out and we spread the good news. And some will listen and some will not. And the ones who do not, you just shake the dust off your feet. When you scatter the seed, you don't look at where the seed lands. You just scatter the seed and let God do His work. Allow God to do His bidding. But there was another man on the cross. And it's in Luke 23 and verse 40. He was ridiculing Jesus too. But then in verse 40, this man died to sin. Because look at what happens. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Repentance. Right? We, now we belong on this cross. We're receiving what we deserve. But not Jesus. I still don't know how they had the energy, right, to have this conversation. But regardless, they recognized, he recognized his own sinful ways, and he surrendered. And it's amazing, the great, the great mercy of God and the amazing gift of God, that man lived a rebellious life. And it wasn't until the end, but in the end, he surrendered, and God's amazing grace, he saved him. Isn't that amazing? Right? That shows God is so wonderful. And so regardless of where you are in your life today, and you think there's no way I can turn around, hey, God, in his amazing grace, in the amazing tangled webs that we weave for ourselves, God has the power and the ability to forgive a man even to the last breath of his dying day on the earth. Matthew, please, chapter 3. I would, I would say, I would venture to say that uh, this man, maybe, when he found true repentance in his heart, he turned his life around. Somewhere, he must have heard, he had to have heard about Jesus. Maybe it was through John the Baptist, and we're going to look at that in a moment, and maybe it was just through the message of Jesus, but he knew that Jesus came to establish a kingdom. Because he said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. So that wasn't something that just all of a sudden fell on him. That was a knowledge that he had that he rejected and refused throughout his life. Maybe at one point he surrendered and was one of John's disciples was baptized and fell away. Or we don't really know. But the point is, at some point in his life, he heard about the message of Jesus. But he just didn't surrender to it. Matthew 3, beginning of verse 1. In those days... John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is the kingdom that he was speaking of. And Matthew 5, Jesus himself says, beginning at verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is teaching this message, the Beatitudes. And so somewhere, at some point in his life, turn to Luke 23, He heard the message of Jesus, but he refused to respond to it. And it wasn't until he was on the cross that he surrendered to the will of God. Isn't that amazing? It's a beautiful love story that God has given to us to show us that 
Today, if you're sitting in the audience and you've heard the message of God, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I've done a lot of sin, sinful things, and I don't know if God has, has a place for me, change that way of thinking. And recognize that you can surrender to God in the waters of baptism and come in the state that you're in. The Bible tells us that. You just got to soften your heart and come to Jesus. And Luke 23 and verse 38, going back to these uh, criminals on the cross. Now, there were also an inscription above him, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. That's amazing. Hebrews chapter 3, please. That's amazing. I mean, when God bless us that we enter into the joys of heaven, we'll be able to see that man. And we can ask the question, when did you hear about Jesus? How much did he know? Doesn't tell us and it doesn't matter. The point is, he knew enough. To say, remember me when you come in your kingdom. So now, we have no excuse. Here's a man to the last of his, of his dying day who comes to Jesus. And then we have some who are younger who come to Jesus. Regardless, we have to make a decision. Will we die in sin? Or will we die to sin? Our destiny is in our hands. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with Those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Do you believe today? You see, that's very important, isn't it? Mark 16. Mark 16. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus makes it very, 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 very simple. In verse 15, he says, He who believes and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. It's really simple, isn't it? I mean, it's really, you have to not want to believe and, and want to twist the words of Jesus and say, that's not what Jesus meant. But if you just humble yourself and say, Jesus said what he meant and he meant what he said. 
and just surrender to God. The question this evening is, do you believe in the words of Jesus Christ? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught about baptism over and over and over again. Will you surrender to Jesus in the waters of baptism? You hear his word and you believe it and you're willing to repent in your heart. You have godly sorrow. I don't want to live this way anymore. I I would indeed justly receive my due punishment if I don't surrender to Jesus. But no, I'm going to humble myself and turn my life around, surrender to Jesus and confess his name before the world and be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of my sins because I believe in Jesus. And this morning or this evening, rather, if you are a child of God and and you are... um, struggling in your faith. Maybe you're just not as strong as you used to be. Or maybe you just have prayers in some way. Contact us. Repent. Contact someone. Or repent. Repent to Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Maybe you need prayers made in your behalf. Make it known before it is everlasting too late. I'm going to come back to that in just one second. Our last verse. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended And the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Tonight, do you believe in Jesus? Tonight, will you make the ever and wonderful decision not to die in sin, but rather to die to sin? Tonight, will you surrender your life to our God? Your destiny is in your hands. God bless your soul.